Hello and welcome to The Flex. It's Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie. Bring you Friars coverage, not from Madison Square Garden this time. Joe and I took the night to reflect on what may have been the worst Friars game of the season. Definitely one of the three worst Friars games of the season as they fell 85-58 to against Creighton in the semifinals of the Big East tournament, the early game on Friday. It was a good old-fashioned spanking from Creighton against Providence. Not a fun game. In any sense of the word, a really bad game for the Friars. But this team is still tournament-bound. That is assured at this point. Joe, how are you feeling this morning? Definitely, um, to put it lightly, devastated about the loss. Um, But, you know, I think for perspective, if, if this had happened to us two or three seasons ago, you'd be sweating if we were going to make the tournament or not. So I think there's a silver lining to it is that, okay, you got your teeth kicked in by a really undervalued and underrated Creighton team that's really good. Um, but at the end of the day, you're still going to be at, at the very least a top five seed in the NCAA tournament, and it's guaranteed, you know. Um, so I, I think there's a silver lining, but that doesn't discredit what happened last night because to be there and to be three rows behind the home basket and watch it happen live and in, in, in front of your eyes kind of sucks. As Cooley said, he didn't think the team played very well against Butler, and they played even worse against Creighton. I think we were expecting the Friars to up their game, and really it was only Al Durham that showed up. Somehow, this game was tied at 25 at one point in the first half. I'm looking at the win probability graph, and it's it's about even, a little bit up and down. You hit that point, it's 25-25, and then Creighton just started that run. It was a 35-4 to four run. By the, t- by the time the Friars hit essentially another field goal, it was 60-31. to 31. The game was over at that point. They had one basket from Durham uh, in a 17-2 to two run at the end of the first half, and it took them until I don't know, 12 minutes left in the game, 12 and a half minutes left in the game, for them to get their first field goal of the second half. Again, Durham, the only Friar that was able to hit any shots at all, and just you could kind of even though the score was 25 25 you could tell the friars were kind of barely hanging on the shots weren't falling the way you wanted them to creighton was getting more penetration than i think anybody expected and then the switch flipped and the shots were only falling at one end of the court and it stayed that way for probably maybe the worst 12 minute span of the season for providence yeah, um, and, and I'd, I'd say for moments in the first 15 minutes of that first half, you kind of felt that, you know, Providence didn't really have the same energy that they've had um, throughout a majority of the season. Um, even looking back at that, you know, first Creighton matchup, it, Providence didn't really pull away, like you said, Matt, until that third quarter, second quarter, third quarter period when we played them at the dunk. Um, and, and here, you know, you, you just didn't feel the energy that we were punching back hard enough. We were certainly punching back, but like you said, once it was 25-25 and Creighton went on, I think it was a 31 or 34-2 to two run over the next 12 minutes. Like, that's game, set, match right there. And, you know, we just looked deflated. Cooley called three timeouts before there were 15 minutes left in the second half. And, you know, when you're pulling Bryson Goodine off the bench um, because no one's hitting a three, you know, that really tells the story. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just, I mean, nothing was working. I think the eye-opening part of this game, there were two eye-opening parts to me. One, 
it was how quick Creighton was. I don't think you can talk about this game without talking about how well Creighton played. And this has kind of been the story for Creighton all year. They're so inconsistent. I mean, they swept UConn. They split with Villanova. Neither game was decided by less than 20 points. They split with Providence. Neither game decided by less than 20 points. This is a team that is really hit or miss, can clearly play with the top teams in the Big East, but also has gotten blown out a couple times. And this is without Nemhard. But they were quick all day Friday. And I noticed it pretty early on. There was a point, and it's, that doesn't even show up on the scoreboard, where O'Connell had the ball in the right wing, and he took A.J. Reeves to the basket, blew right by him. I think the shot missed. O'Connell goes over to the left side. He gets the ball back again. He took, I don't know if it was Reeves on him at that point, if it was somebody else, takes him to the basket and blows right by him. And then just a couple series later, you come down and O'Connell gets the ball in that corner. Reeves does not want to close out on him. He closed out on him a little bit, but he gives him a just an extra foot or two of space because he just got blown by. He doesn't want to let O'Connell do that to him again. It's enough space. He knocks down the shot. And that's kind of the night it was where the Friars were playing back on their heels on defense. And there was no confidence whatsoever for anybody on Providence. The way they were double clutching all their shots at the other end of the floor on offense. And Creighton was quicker. Creighton got the shots they wanted to get. The Friars got open looks, didn't hit them, and then got in their own heads. Yeah, I think the you could tell by maybe the 17-minute mark in the second half, and I mean with 17 minutes left to play, our confidence was crushed. Um, guys looked defeated and discouraged. I mean, um, Watson and Reeves looked the most upset. Um, because, listen, you know, the, 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 this team was vocal about, you know, the the lack of, you know, all Big East accolades that they receive despite being the regular season champions. Um I've been vocal about Ryan Kalkbrenner, you know, Cooley, Reeves, a lot of those guys. Manaya himself was vocal about not getting defensive player of the year. And I'm sure Ryan Kalkbrenner listened. You know, just because they're they're college athletes doesn't mean they're not human beings. They listen to this stuff. They consume the media as much as we, we try to believe that they don't. I'm sure, you know, Creighton came into this with a chip on their shoulder thinking, all right, you know, to win the regular season title, Providence beat us by 21 and it, it was a no contest. Why don't we take away their chance to win the Big East champion, uh, Big East tournament championship title, and all the while prove that our guy is the Big East defensive player of the year? They did all of that, all while Cooley got out coached. You know, we said in the the pregame report from Madison Square Garden that if Big East coach of the year wasn't going to go to Ed Cooley, it would have gone to Greg McDermott for what he's done with this young squad. He lost all five starters, and they're playing in the championship game for the second year in a row tomorrow or tonight. Excuse me. Yeah, it's a great McDermott has just done a fantastic job with that program. It, it really is remarkable. This is the fourth time that Creighton has made the Big East Tournament Championship since the reformation of the conference. They haven't gotten one yet. They haven't won one. But man, that's a talented team. And to lose Ryan Emmert, I mean, Arthur Kaluma, he's a good player. He's right in Providence's backyard. He's from Boston. And yep. Trey Alexander, I mean, he... Let me pull up his actual stats here. It felt like he didn't miss a shot until late in the second half. Yeah, he finished five of six from the floor for with 15 points. The only miss was a three-pointer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it and, was... Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, oh, the other guy, I mean, Kalkbrenner. I just got to... I was right there with you. I was all, all, all about Manaya for defensive player of the year. And Manaya really had a good game on the defensive end. He was probably he the did. only flyer that had a good game on the defensive end, but... 
Kochbrenner was a menace. I, I I can see why he earned it now because the Friars really couldn't get anything going inside. Watson had one of the worst games he's had all season. He got blocked. Bynum got blocked. Kochbrenner finished with four. So that's probably, what, eight points taken off the board right there if they made all of them? At least four points taken off because I think you can assume they're going to miss. They're going to make at least two of those shots near the rim. Bynum had a wide-open look, if not for Kalkbrenner. Add on 15 points for him. He had nine rebounds. And just the way he impacted the paint, the Friars couldn't get the ball inside. When Watson was getting the ball, he, I mean, he was able to back down Kalkbrenner a little bit, but he was still getting the ball pretty far out. And... Yeah, he's able to back it down, get close to the basket. He's got a hand in his face taking the shot. Yeah, no wonder it's going to mess. Yep. He did a good job. Watson did a good job the first time around. But uh, you look at what happened um, when Sonoka went against Kalkbrenner, which is pretty much the same thing. Sonoka had one good game against them. The other one got nearly blanked. And that's kind of how this went. So Kalkbrenner is something special. I mean, this is he's a sophomore. He's going to be around for a while. Not looking forward to having a rim protector like that in the Big East next all year next year too, and possibly the year after. I mean that's that's going to be something else right there. For I mean I think for as poorly as Providence played, I think this is one of those games where the other team comes to play. They play their A game. And the Friars just got out of rhythm. Yep. I, I don't think anybody believes that Creighton is thirty points better than Providence. No, they they, just happen to be this Friday. That's a great point, too. Like, uh, I I think the second Providence lost, the Big East Twitter went up in a frenzy. Everyone could not wait to send off the tweets they've been waiting to send the entire season. Providence is a fraud, this, that, and the other thing. Creighton is not 30 points better than Providence, just like Providence isn't 21 points better than Creighton. If I had to guess, the teams are evenly split, and if we had a third matchup between the two, I think you'd see that. Um, just the same way Marquette isn't 30 points better than Providence either. And we saw that at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. The same way uh, you can go down the laundry list of teams in the conference. This was just an off night for Providence. If you look at the shooting numbers across the boards, Al Durham is the only one that came to play offensively. Justin Manaya is the only one to, that came to play defensively. You look at Manaya's one-on-one assignment of Ryan Hawkins, who aside from last night, has been Creighton's powerhouse offensive player. He went 4 of 11 from the field with only 8 points. I mean, you, you can't say that's not because of Manaya. I mean, and Manaya, Manaya, I think, had two steals, too. Yeah, two steals, both in the yeah. first half. He was, he was probably the, the highest energy guy for Providence. And then, yeah, I mean, Durham, really solid. 21 points. He had a really, really good game. And only five of those at the free throw line. He had seven shots. He had his first two threes. Yep. And outside of those two threes Durham hit, the only other fire to hit one was good on. Yeah. So if, if that's the kind of night you're having, you're not winning a lot of games. That was kind of the red flag moment for me is, you know, Reeves, I think, had missed a three. And Cooley turned to the bench, whistled a good eye, and, and he was going. And I was like, all right, you know, this is this is what we've seen for a majority of the season is guys aren't hitting the shots. We can't get anything to go inside. You need some sort of spark from three. And if it's not Reeves, it's not Bynum, it's not Horkler, it's not Manaya. You need someone else, and you got to go to good eye. I'm just surprised Andrew Fonts didn't get called in, and they draw up an ISO three play for him. But anyway, I digress. For the Friars, I mean, like we said, you know, the two silver linings to this is you got Durham back in his offensive rhythm. You know, we haven't really seen him play well offensively since really mid-January. So you got him back in the fold. Manaya continues to to be a defensive force. You know, offensively. 
will we'll look away for the time being. That's not his bread and butter. Defensively, picked up where he left off. And that's about it if you look at Providence. That's all I'd really like to talk about with respect to the good for the team. Yeah, there was not a lot of it. Cooley got asked after the game, what what kind of what good can you take away from this? <laughs> they basically had to tell the, per, the person that asked that question, let me think about that for a little bit because I don't think I have anything for you right now. And that's, yeah, I mean, Jared Bynum finished this game minus 28 Reeves was minus 22, Durham minus 20. I mean, Durham scored 21 points and still finished the day minus 21. Woof. Yeah. And that's, again, it was just that kind of day. And not, I mean, not only were the shots not falling, at a certain point they weren't hitting the rim. I mean, you had misses all over it. So it's not, it wasn't one of those days. Like Sometimes you could tell, all right, Reeves is just coming up short on his shots. And eventually he'll take one later in the day and he gets that extra inch or two on the shot and it goes in. It wasn't that. I mean, the later they, they got in the game, the wider and wider and wider the shots were getting. They were pressing. It just wasn't them. Early in that second half, three timeouts for Ed Cooley in the first four minutes of the second half. And they were out of timeouts after that point. When you come out of the half, you give up, I think it was a 12-0 run, 10-0 yeah. run for Creighton. 14. 14-0, yeah. It's just, they, they didn't really, whatever buttons Ed Cooley was pushing, none of them were working. And I don't, I think some of that's on Cooley, some of that's on the guys, and some of that's on, you play 30 games of basketball in a year, and you're not going to be able to have your A game every one of them. It sucks yeah. that it happens on Friday night at Madison Square Garden in the Big East Tournament. You'd like to have a bigger game in that stage. But it is just one game at the end of the day. Yeah, it's just one game. Um, And I think if you look at it from a Big East rivalry perspective, too, it's not a game where you're cursing the opponent. You know, Um, if it was Villanova, Connecticut, Marquette or Xavier, our temperament would likely be much different. But it's Creighton. I have a lot of respect for Coach McDermott. I think he's, you know, a great coach, great ambassador for the conference. You know, th- this is, you know, a Creighton squad that you'd like to win. You'd like to see win the, the, the conference tournament now. Um, I think every fan base in the conference can, aside from Villanova, can agree right now that they're pulling for Creighton. No one wants to see Jay Wright hoist another Big East tournament trophy. No. no. You want to see Greg McDermott get his first. Yeah, this is a really likable Creighton team, too. I mean, Ryan Hawkins, I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures that Coach McDermott's tweeted out about him rocking the robe and the uh, yeah. breakfast in the hotel right now. He seems like a character. He did it and, again I mean, today, all, right? Yeah, and, and all these guys, I mean, they're, they're nice guys. They're good players. And I think, I don't know, It's the Friars have a team that's all veterans. We know what the Friars have in those players. And you're not really going to see growth as the season goes along. I mean, you will. They learn to play together and things like that. But at this point in their careers, these guys are probably about as good as they're going to get. Yeah. You look at some of these other teams. Honestly, the, the other three teams in the top four in the Big East, I think you've seen some of that growth. And yep. no more as, as a parent with Creighton. Just with these young guys, I mean, Arthur Kaluma, Troy Alexander, they weren't making these plays at the start of the season. Ryan Kolkbrenner, for as good as he's gotten, he wasn't making these plays the end of last season or at the start of this year. That's just fantastic. Fantastic job from McDermott and everybody on that staff. 
Yeah, that's a great point, Matt, about the the in-season growth. You know, this isn't a Providence team with a first-year Noah Horkler who's learning how to to navigate the post in Big East conference play. It's not a Providence team with a first-year Luan Pipkins who's learning that you have to defend in order to earn significant playing time on the in the backcourt. You know, this is a Providence team with established veterans that know what to do. So, if I'm Ed Cooley, I'm thinking, all right, you know, we got a flat tire. It's happened before. You just got to bounce back. And if I was to make a comparison for this Creighton squad, I would say they remind me of the 2018 Friars, the ones that that earned a spot in the Big East Tournament Championship game with Cartwright, Lindsey, Bullock, Diallo, you know, Khalif Young, that squad, because that team had a lot of in-season growth, too. Um, So, uh, again, this is a great point that you made, Matt, about a Creighton squad that didn't look like this at the beginning of the season. They were picked eighth in the conference, and now they're playing for the tournament title. Um, And there's a reason they they racked up postseason accolades. You know, there's a reason they had three freshmen on the all freshman team. There's a reason Ryan Kalkbrenner won defensive player of the year as you know, uh, as someone who was bashing him and negating him and trying to discredit his award. I see it now. It happened in front of me. So, you know what? Like, you gotta get, you gotta tip your hat to to the Blue Jays because they earned this, and now they're the kind of team that you want to root for to win the conference tournament title. Yeah, this is a fun team. I mean, I just I, I like the way they play too. So, tip of the cap. You move on. Just gonna round out some stats here for you. Friars finished the day ten of twenty four on layups. So that's the clock runner effect right there. Wow. They were yeah. They were three of twenty four from three. And the guys, basically, the starters or the, the guys you count on that weren't Al Durham shooting threes were 0 for 17. Yeah. That's Bynum, Reeves, Horkler, and Manaya. That that's really going to hurt you. Not a ton of turnovers here. Only nine turnovers for the offense. And they, and the Friars had six steals. Only 17 fouls. They did a pretty good job on the boards. They had 17 offensive rebounds. It really wasn't a matter of anything other than the looks in the paint that have come easily for Providence weren't easy because of Creighton's defense and the looks from the outside that Providence has relied upon didn't fall one of those days. Friars are going to await selection Sunday. From what I can tell, most bracketologists see this as a four seed still, probably the last four seed with this loss where that's going to put the Friars will be. We'll have to see. I think an East region is probably unlikely. If I had to guess, this team's going to end up in the Midwest or maybe the South now that you're the last four seed. Again, we're going to find out. One thing I think I, we will almost definitely see, most bracketologists have Providence as the last four seed or the second to last four seed, and then UConn is the top five with Houston right behind them. They can't put Providence and UConn as the four and the five in the same bracket, which means I think a matchup we it, we could see in the tournament is Providence against Houston as a potential Saturday or Sunday game. Obviously, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but I just keep seeing that. I think that's an interesting one. Houston is a team that the metrics absolutely love. This is a top five team, according to the metrics, and with a coach that's a really, really good coach, the Friars got killed by Houston a couple of years ago, Mohegan Sun. So that... I'd, that is a matchup. I think there's a lot of storylines there, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Selection, selection Sunday, 6 o'clock. We'll find out where this team is going to be playing because they will be dancing in March. As Ed Cooley said, this is just one game, and the last time that they got beat 
this badly. They they ran off eight games in a row. They yep. only need to win six in a row to be hoisting that trophy in April. So we're gonna see what happens. I do I know Joe, I know we want to talk about some of the other big East stuff and we could talk about other basketball stuff. We want to keep this shorter, and I know we're already at twenty minutes here. One last note on the Friars before we talk about that. Situation to monitor, AJ Reeves. Because he came he left this game with an injury. From what I can tell, this is just speculation, not a report. Concussion is what I'm thinking. No idea what his prognosis is. I asked Ed Cooley. They obviously I, I didn't expect an answer and I didn't really get one. They don't know yet. We're probably not gonna know his status until practice this week and or the game time. The game time decision, whether or not he suits up, whether or not he's in uniform, whether that be Thursday or Friday, whenever this team plays. That's when we're gonna find out. If they lose him, that could hurt them in the tournament. That could hurt them a lot. That is in some ways, the biggest takeaway I have from this game going forward. Yeah, um, you basically you covered it all. You took the words out of my mouth with the eight game win streak thing, Matt. Um, that's how I ended my Big East Coast bias article uh, last night. Um, it's the last note I'll leave on Providence is that, you know, the last time we lost by a, a significant margin of deficit, it was 32 at, at Marquette on January 4th. We rattled off eight straight. We don't need to rattle off eight straight. You know, realistically, it's not even possible to have eight games left in the season. The most you can get is six. So Cooley informed his team of that in the locker room. He looked that reporter dead in the eyes in the post-game press conference and said that. So if you want something to look at following this loss, look at that. Look at look at, at Cooley and the team's ability to recognize the last time we lost like this, we went on a huge run. So just think, do with that what you will. Um, we did see Reeves, Matt, you know, you and I, uh, back behind the scenes of Madison Square Garden. We did see him leaving with the team. Um, he seemed to be holding his own. Obviously, we don't know what went on in the locker room, but he was walking with Bynum. You know, there were, weren't really trainers around him or anything like that. So another storyline to, to to follow and watch. So, but yeah. Yeah, I did also one other Providence stat before we talk about that Villanova-UConn game. This was Providence's first loss this year, not on a Tuesday. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, ruined that streak, which, yeah, tough, tough. But, they, hey, they won't play on a Tuesday again, depending on how things break. They won't play on a Friday again. So we're, we're well, going to see what happens here. Got to avoid days that start with uh, T or F. Oh, no, Tuesdays and Fridays. Those are the days we're trying to avoid right now, I guess. But Yeah, you know what? We're just trying to avoid losing. How about that? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and don't bring those throwbacks out again. I think they're messing with the Moja, switching up the uniforms mid-tournament like that. Stick no, with the home I, whites. I, I, you know what? You can start with the throwbacks, but you, you can't change uniforms mid-tournament. You know, I wore the same exact suit two days in a row. I probably spent close to 30 hours wearing that suit. Um, I just wish they followed the same. I, you know, don't even wash the jerseys. Just just wear them, you know? You can't, <laughs> have, you can't have the change up the Mojo. No, that's that's bad luck right there. That is bad luck. But this game, this was the 6.30 game Friday night. The 9 o'clock game was probably the most anticipated Big East game in quite a while. The Villanova-UConn rematch. And honestly, it lived up to it. Being there for that one, the crowd was insane. Villanova pulled it out. They led for the last 15 minutes and 24 seconds. The lead was never bigger than eight in that span. It came down to two in the final seconds, but as Villanova always does, they hit the shots they needed to at the end, hit just enough free throws. Gillespie missed the second 
free throw with two seconds left to give UConn a shot for the last shot. Obviously, no good, but yeah. I mean, those are two good teams right there. I'm glad UConn lost. Um, I, I would have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad UConn lost too because it, it 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 completely crushes their narrative that UConn is back. Like. Okay, congrats. You got a three seed in the Big East tournament, and then you lost in the semifinals. You're back, all right. Congratulations. You did that two years in a row. Um, UConn fans are, are just unknowledgeable and annoying. Um, but then on the other end, you have Villanova fans that are entitled and also annoying. So you really have the two the two most hated teams in the conference playing against each other. So from a Providence perspective, you know, you, you, there's there's no positive way to look at that game. If Villanova would have lost, we would have been upset that UConn won, but happy that they, they that Nova lost and Villanova won. So you're upset that they won, but you're also happy that UConn lost is basically my take on the game. Yeah. You know what I thought was super interesting? <laughs> I uh, I got over to the post-game press conference. I only got there for uh, Dan Hurley. I mean, I miss Jay Wright. If I didn't know that Dan Hurley is such a jerk on the court with the way he acts, I think that's the nicest guy in the world. He was so cordial and transparent with the media. He was going in-depth with every answer, going through the stat sheet, pointing to specific things. I was kind of kind of shocked by it. <laughs> I'm not a Dan Hurley fan, but wow, that was more... Uh, more open and honest than I would have expected. You know what's funny about Dan Hurley, and I rip on him a lot, is that him and Ed Cooley are actually like good friends. You know, uh, that one tiff a couple of years ago in the Providence URI game aside, they they've gone out to dinner with their wives. Like you know, they're, they're colleagues in this business, and I think there's a mutual respect. Um, but I think for the sake of the fan bases, you know, that 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 fight at midcourt between the two of them and the Providence URI rivalry, Ed Cooley. Oh, bolstering a fantastic record against Dan Hurley all time. Uh, you know, I, I think that outweighs the fact that, you know, they are colleagues in this sport. Um, and unless you're Jawan Howard, you're not really going to do anything too significant to, to, to diminish your relationship with a colleague. No, I think, I mean, I think it was obvious this week too. just look at listening to the way Cooley talked about the other big East coaches. There's a lot of respect there with all of them. And I think it's something that I, I always forget about it until you're there watching behind the scenes. There's kind of a lot of theater or a lot of talk around the actual games themselves and the rivalries and what matters for the players and coaches. This is this is work. And these are your like you said, your colleagues, kind of your co-workers. It right. might be another team, but there is only one head coaching job per school. You don't really have co-workers in that regard. You don't have peers. Your peers exactly. are the guys that do it for other schools. So yeah. you you make a lot of friends there. You make a lot of connections. You can't get to where you need to be without having some of those connections. And it's always, it's always entertaining to watch that. Like we said, Jay Wright and Ed Cooley hanging out at the awards show, things like that. Just two of them and Gillespie all hanging out together. It's easy to forget the human side of things, and it's it's kind of refreshing to see that with so much hostility on Twitter this week. And, and you know, too, Matt, like uh, when Providence went on that COVID pause, Ed Cooley was extremely vocal with the media that him and Dan Hurley had an hour-long phone conversation on what, what to do during a time like this. And this is after Providence upset UConn at UConn. This is a couple weeks following that. So you, you'd have to think like, oh, Dan Hurley, you know, if Providence, your arch rival, you know, Ed Cooley, the coach that's got your number, calls you for advice. You know, you're you're going to you're going to decline the call. No, they, they spoke on the phone for an hour. Um, Greg McDermott's Creighton squad blows out Providence in the Big East tournament semifinals. The coaches are hugging at midcourt. 
Providence mm. blows out Creighton to win the Big East regular season championship. And Greg McDermott does the classiest thing I've seen out of a coach ever as he lets Providence run the clock on Creighton's possession. They left the mm. ball on the floor and exited so that Providence could enjoy the moment of winning the regular season title. Not many coaches Man. do that. And I think, you know, the relationship between the coaching staff and the Big East is something special. Um, and, and a lot of times you have yeah. to look beyond the hostility on the Internet. Yeah, and I think I don't think you could talk about everything with McDermott without at least briefly touching on him getting that suspension last year, saying something he probably shouldn't have in the locker room. And you'll look at Ed Cooley and his awards show thing talking about how how diverse the coaching staffs are in the Big East and how awesome that is as a a young somebody that was once a young black man looking up at who's wanting to be in that position and. Cooley and McDermott are really close friends. I think it goes to show the respect that those guys have when yeah, McDermott says something you probably shouldn't have. I have no doubt the two of them talked about it and, and had conversations. And you're going to have a lot. I mean, it takes a lot to, to have that respect when you're in these positions. So I don't know. There's a lot of great men in this conference. And some of them have semantics. <laughs> if you look at a neighboring state to Rhode Island, there's one coach there that has a lot of antics. But oh, yeah. at the end of the day, these are these are generally speaking good men that care a lot about their student athletes, want the best for them, want high quality basketball. Um, I'm forgetting which coach it was that said it. I think it was Hurley. I was reading through some of the the post game quotes, so I don't remember. I it might have been Jay Wright actually who was saying it's a frequent conversation between Big East coaches about which is better playing in the sweet 16 or playing on Friday at the Big East tournament. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's well said, Matt, you know, and, um, it, yeah, that is a good point. You know, it, this is something if for anyone who was at the garden, you, you listen to that video that John Fant is narrating that was playing before the games. It Constantly. Was, you know, <laughs> Constantly, I probably saw that video eight times in the past week. But basically that, you know, for the Big East Conference and the teams that are in the Big East Conference, the, the tournament, you know, partially in some ways feels a lot more important than the NCAA tournament. Now, obviously, the narrative obviously switches. If you lose in the Big East tournament, you're like, all right, we're on to the big dance or all right, we're on to next year. But in the moment, in, in this Wednesday through Saturday span, if you're a Big East Conference team, you look at this tournament li- like it's life or death. Yeah. yeah, and that's why it hurts so much when you lose it. Yep. The NCAA tournament is the gravy, but the, the Big East tournament in some ways is what you play for. I'll leave you with one last little little note here. As much as this loss hurts, as much as it hurts to lose a game like this, <laughs> The Friars, when they've made the Big East Championship, they did it back in 2018. They had that run behind Kyron Cartwright, who, side note, we got to hang out with this week. Love that, dude. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what did they do in the NCAA tournament? Lost first round. 2014, they won the Big East tournament. What did they do in the first round? They lost to North Carolina. What you do one week has very little to do with what you do the next. Yeah. One loss hurts. It's one game. There's going to be a reset over the next couple days. And we're going to see what Friars team shows up for round one of March Madness, which they will assuredly be playing in at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, Matt, for anyone who, who isn't aware, Matt wrote a piece for Big East Coast Bias on the 1987 Final Four Friars. Um, you look at that team. They lost by the means of a blowout in the Big East tournament semifinals. 
that team went on to the Final Four. So I think there's definitely something to be said about momentum carrying over stretches of weeks. You know, game to game on back-to-back nights, sure. Um, In-game, absolutely. But just because we lost last night does not mean that, you know, we're, we're, we're playing bad or, or that, you know, we're, we have negative momentum. You know, that yeah. goes out the window once you get your seed tomorrow. Yeah. Look at Butler. Butler lost five in a row coming into the Big East tournament. They're one Al Durham three away from playing on Friday in the Big East tournament. Meanwhile, Seton Hall came out on a five-game winning streak, and they didn't make it to Friday. Yeah. So momentum means something, but it's not everything. Friars are going to play some point next week. We'll find out tomorrow on Sunday. This is Saturday. as uh, That's when we're recording this. When that's going to be and who they're going to play. The Friars should be favored against whoever it is. But it's not going to be an easy game. We've said it for a while. The Friars need to find they, they need to find a day where they can bring them a game. They haven't in a little bit now. Not since the Creighton game at home. They're, they're going to they're going to need all a games from here on out to keep winning. Yep. Yep. All absolutely. Right. I think that's going to do it for us here. We'll bring you more coverage after selection Sunday, after we have more details on who Providence is playing next tonight, biggest championship Villanova against Creighton six 30 at Madison square garden should be a good one. I'll be there. I'll be covering that. I'll have the post game article there for Joe Howie. I'm Matt St. Jean. This has been the flex. Make sure you rate and review us. Give us a five star review. Don't don't be like the Friars. We're shooting Friday night. Don't don't go over with the review. Don't give us zero stars or don't give us that one star rating. Yeah, come on. If you want the Friars to make all their shots, you got to give us a five star review. That's just how it works. I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. That's just how it works. Make sure you do that. Check out our writing. We're going to hit you back later this weekend and into the week. It's a great time of year, Joe. Thank you all for listening. Go Friars.